Well, hello, hello, and welcome back to The Messy Table, an ordinary space for real women, imperfect stories, and the God who's at work in our mess. Yes, even in the middle of winter, when the grass is brown and the trees are bare and there's no sign of life, even when we long to be in a different season. Yes, even here, and especially here, this is where God moves. So if we haven't yet had the chance to meet, my name is Jen Jewell, and I consider it an honor to host this faith-fueled conversation-style podcast, where we get to dig beneath the surface and get beyond the highlight reel as we hear a unique story and fresh perspective from someone you might walk by in the grocery store or see from a distance in the school pickup line, someone who might seem to have it all together, to never struggle, but you know that they're human just like you, and we all have stories to tell. So this podcast is partnered with the women of my church, Life Church, where we're also big time fans of the YouVersion Bible app, God's Word literally in our back pockets for free in thousands of languages wherever we go, where we also just love locking arms with women from all over the world, all across the global church. So wherever you are and whatever your story, we are honestly glad you're here. And I am pumped to introduce you to my guest for today. Claire Westbrook is a wife and mom, worship pastor, singer-songwriter, creative, and overcomer who knows that even in the dead of winter, God can make things grow. Because it's often through the wilderness, through our suffering, through our discomfort, that God beckons us into freedom. And so maybe things are great for you right now, or maybe you're just kind of feeling blah, or maybe you're feeling stuck, or maybe you're obsessed with control, or maybe you're overwhelmed with anxiety. I want to invite you to unclench those fists and ask the Holy Spirit to meet you where you are. And if you are longing for a new song to sing, grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join me for a chat with Claire. All right, Claire. Well, it's so fun to have you. Welcome to The Messy Table. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is pretty fun because we go way back. Yes. You're a little younger than me, but I'm pretty sure I was like in the church nursery in diapers with your brother. For sure. Yeah. All the way from nursery to youth. Yes. So Claire and I grew up in the same church, wonderful community. And I was just always amazed by the fact that every single person in your family is like musically gifted and amazing because <laughs> no one in my family got that gene. So I think it's pretty remarkable. It's been really fun. We have fun doing it together. Well, there are some other amazing women listening who don't know anything about you. So if you would just give everyone a little peek at who you are, who you love and just what you're all about. Well, I live in Edmond, Oklahoma, have a husband, Colt, and mm. we have three kids who are 11, 8, and 5. Yay. He works full-time at his company, which is Walrus Audio, mm -hmm. and they design and manufacture guitar pedals. Wow. And then also on the side, he and I kind of co were the co-worship pastors at our church. So we do that together. So great. And then I also do like communications and some admin Sunday operations type stuff as well for my church. So a few different hats. Mm -hmm. That's a part-time thing. So I'm able to do that at the church once, sometimes twice a week, and then the rest from home. I love that. And I just want to make a little note because, you know, we can all relate to this crazy, messy parenting life that we're living, that Claire actually has a sick kid at home right now, and she's still recording <laughs> this podcast. Yes. Perfect example of wearing all the hats. 
she's playing upstairs. And then you also do some other awesome music stuff with like your mom and your sister. Yes. Yeah. So my mom and sister and I, we recorded like a lullaby album, I guess. Man, that was like eight years ago. We called ourselves the Night Nights yeah. and did a lullaby album. It's on Spotify and all the places where you stream music. And that was so fun. We do hope to do another project at some mm-hmm. point. So I love to songwrite and I used to really view that more as like a hobby, like a side Mm -hmm. thing. And then it really is more of a necessity. It's kind of like a songwriter that I listened to. She said one time she sings herself forward. And I feel like that is so often how I feel about songwriting. Something will happen in life. I'll be questioning something or I'll be working through something with the Lord and sitting down to write about it is a way that I can sing myself forward. Mm-hmm. That's something that's definitely a part of my weekly rhythm, just some time at the piano. I love that. And I love that you said you used to view it as a hobby because I think we've all had those things. I was actually just talking to a friend about this the other day who she turned her hobby into a business, whether it's a business or whether it's a ministry. I know when I started this little podcast, I was like, oh, I'm just gonna, I feel led to do this little thing and finally gotten better when someone asked me, you know, how I spend my time, what do I do, including this in the description. So it's funny how we can be weird about maybe creative things. Yeah, there's this weird, I don't know, there is this temptation to like shrink back a little bit. I had a hard time even saying, I'm a songwriter. Yeah. But then at one point it was like, well, I do write songs a lot. So I guess that's what a songwriter is. Right. God has put these amazing gifts in the world, which really is the heartbeat, I feel like, of people, you know, like the arts and different things. So, right. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, it is. Obviously, as the theme of this podcast suggests, uh, life can be messy for all of us. And so for you, I know you've had a season of that. And so if you could just peel back the curtains a little bit and tell us a little bit about when life has been messy, but still you've experienced God's faithfulness. Yeah. So I grew up in the church, you know, just grew up around the things of God and came to Jesus at a young age, just really loved like the Christian community we had at our church, loved being at church, really walked with the Lord the best I knew how. Mm -hmm. Somewhere in the college, post-college kind of early marriage season, I felt like, and I didn't know what it was, but I just felt like something was missing. There was some sort of life that wasn't happening for me. I was observing it, started going to the church that we are at now. We had started going to this church in 2010, so 12 years ago. And I just remember going, I feel like these people are experiencing God in a different way that I'm not experiencing Him. I I was kind of in this season of like a cold sort of posture towards the Lord, like Mm -hmm. just kind of cynical, not really feeling like there was this life and this joy and this freedom that I was watching in these other people's lives. I just began to learn more and more about the Holy Spirit Hmm. and really felt that tension of like seeing this thing, but not experiencing this thing. And so when really kind of everything crashed down was, this was 2012, so 10 years ago. So I was 26 and out with some friends on like a triple date with some of our closest friends and experienced a panic attack. And I had never experienced that before. And really, at that time, I would have said, oh, I haven't even ever experienced anxiety before. Looking back, I see that, oh, there was like a little strand of something in different seasons of life. And it can manifest in such different ways, right? Yes, absolutely. So I didn't know what was happening. 
I thought I was having a heart attack. Mm. We were at a movie. So I kind of walked out and my heart was racing. My chest was burning. I felt tingly. I was like, something's wrong with my heart. Like I probably need to go to the doctor. I probably need to go to the ER. Thankfully, like friends were there. We prayed. We moved forward. We went to dinner. Like it was okay. But it was very unsettling. I feel like the post panic attack thing, it's almost like the tremors after an earthquake. You know, it's like you're still not back to normal. You know, there's just this lingering Mm -hmm. residue. And so that basically continued just I was living in this place of anxiety and kind of back and forth between panic attack and then just kind of this low grade anxiety. Mm -hmm. And this was all new. At what point were you able to label like I had a panic attack? Well, I went to the doctor. I went to the ER the day after this because it was revving back up. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And so I went and he said, oh, it seems like it's just a panic attack, which of course I know he didn't mean that in a ill-intentioned way. But in my mind, I'm like, just, I'm like, I feel like I'm going to die. But he's like, you're not having a stroke. It's not a heart attack. Right. And to him, he's like, well, you're, you're fine. And you're like, I'm not fine. Yeah. I'm like, this is very abnormal for me. And so I go home from that knowing something, it's this panic attack. It's anxiety, whatever this is. I don't know what caused it. I don't know where it came from. Went into, you know, the next day feeling the same. The next day went to like a primary care doctor to kind of talk through what was happening. And he prescribed Xanax for me. I felt in the moment like, no, 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 this isn't, this isn't what we're doing. Like, I don't, this is not like the formula for all people who have dealt with panic and anxiety. So this is not me saying medication is never the answer. But in that moment, I knew in my gut, like, that's not what this is, like, that I just need a pill. I was like, something is wrong. Like something is wrong inside. Mm -hmm. So I went home. And then I think it was the next day, like it was this five day thing. And so on day five, I was sitting in my bed. I felt like the Lord was like, read back on some old journals. At the time, I don't know that I would have said, oh, the Holy Spirit told me this. But looking back, that was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. I was learning a lot about the voice of God and that I could hear the voice of God. And so pulled out some old journals and was reading some entries that were like a month or two old. And I had been reading this book called A Praying Life by Paul Miller, which is so good. It is so good. The title sounds a little boring, but it's actually an amazing book. Yes. Yeah. The title does sound like wah, wah, but yeah, it is, <laughs> it is so good. I was reading these old entries. I had been reading that book and I was reading these prayers that I had been praying, which were basically me expressing to the Lord that I did not feel dependent on him. I felt like... I was in control. Like I felt like I could make good decisions. I could make things happen. I could control the outcomes of things. Like I didn't understand this idea of being dependent, being weak. Like what does it mean to be weak? So that all these things. So I was asking the Lord, like, I know that I'm not able to make myself understand this. Like you have to show me what is it like to be dependent on you? What is it like to be weak? And so it's like, I'm reading this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this was a month or two ago. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, like the revelation hit, oh, I've actually been asking to feel what it is that I'm feeling in a sense of feeling like you're not in control of your body. You're not in control of your life. You're not in control of anything that happens to you Um, at any moment, like your reality could shift. And I had this revelation that this is something I've been praying 
about and praying for. And in that moment, I felt like the physical presence of the Holy Spirit. I felt like this cold, kind of this breeze of wind go over my body Mm -hmm. and all of my anxiety symptoms that I was feeling in that moment Mm -hmm. completely left. Mm -hmm. The shaking, the tingling, the chest burning, the heart racing, the mind race, all that stuff just went like gone. And of course I'm like freaking out. And this was really the first time I would say like, oh, I felt the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit. Now there probably were other times you know, growing up, but I didn't know to name it that. I was just like beside myself, excited, was telling Cole, like it was this automatic 180 moment. Mm -hmm. You know, what came from that was still, I had to work through some stuff. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't like, oh, done with anxiety. What had happened when I went to counseling, that was my first time ever to go to counseling Mm -hmm. in this season. And kind of how she described it was like, there was a lid that was tightly on and then it popped off. It was like, at some point, all this pressure was building and it was going to pop off at some point. And so now there was all this stuff that I, I needed to come to terms with. I needed to go to counseling, meet with mentors, like get prayer, just all the things. Did you feel like there were things from your past or just things that you had been wrestling through and dealing with that were causing some of this anxiety? You know, like one thing is like opening yourself up to kind of a constant place of worry Mm -hmm. or fear or even content that you ingest that isn't helpful, like scary movies. Like there were things that just after that point, I was like, I can no longer do those things or listen to those things or think about those things. Like it was different. It was like my eyes were opened to some things that I was like, this can't be the same anymore. And our culture lives there, right? Yeah. It is interesting to think like, what am I consuming that's contributing? You know, in addition to obviously other things that can happen in life, there's also other medical things going on. So never a one size fits all, but it is super fascinating to think about. There's so many facets. And I think so much of it too was just as a believer, when you're trying to live your life, being in control and not living in a place of surrender Mm -hmm. and not really living in a place of grace and receiving God's grace for yourself and extending grace to other people. I just think our body responds to things like that over time Mm -hmm. when we sit in those kinds of patterns and behaviors. That was one thing that, that I remember grabbing a hold of out of that season was like this word grace. Like I remember thinking, is grace like a nice way of saying like to be lazy? (laughs) Is this an excuse to not work hard? And after this season, I thought, no, it's, it's when you realize you come into contact with your own depravity. And you realize like you need help. Mm -hmm. I need help. I need the grace of God to do anything to move forward. And so I think some of it, like it was some external stuff. And then I think it was a lot of spiritual stuff over time. Yeah. There's a book, I think it's called The Body Keeps the Score. Yeah. I think it focuses mainly on trauma. I I don't know if you've read it or not. I'm in the middle of reading it. Really? Okay. Right now. Yeah. So you can speak into this more than I can. But I also love that you're bringing up the topic of these everyday patterns. Obviously, there's spiritual things, there's cultural things that we're faced with that we can never escape. But I think sometimes we can think, oh, well, if I don't have some giant traumatic experience in my life, then it would be so silly for me to be experiencing this. And that's just not true at all. We all live in this fallen world and we're fighting a spiritual battle every single day. And I think often we don't give that enough credit, if that makes sense. 
Oh yeah. And I do like, it is such an interesting book. It's so much to take in. I'm in the middle of that book. And I think that it's just so important for us to be aware because our bodies will send us signals and Mm. it's just a matter of us paying attention. I think one thing I remember learning about a few years ago was just kind of knowing your normal so that when things shift and change, you're able to go, okay, something is off. Like, I don't know what it is, but something's off. And then from that point, you can, you know, whatever it is, whatever the thing is that works for you. For me, often it's like, okay, I need to sit with the Lord, with my Bible, with my journal. And I just need to like Mm -hmm. be with him and figure out what is happening in my person. Sometimes it's like, I need to go take a bath and turn on some music and just like soak for a second and give my body a second to just recalibrate. And often he'll bring to mind like, hey, you're like angry about this thing that happened last week and you're still stewing over it and you had no idea. And so, you know, our bodies will tell us so much if we pay attention. Mm -hmm. I want to come back to the Holy Spirit because obviously you kind of dove in there and then we started talking about some other things. And I do think that the Holy Spirit can often be the least understood of the Trinity. Right. Obviously, God is so amazing and holy and mighty, but also mysterious. And the Holy Spirit can sometimes be this mysterious person. And I'm kind of like you. I I went on a deep dive in a season in my life of kind of understanding more of the Holy Spirit. And man, I just feel like there's so much that we can be missing if we're not maybe recognizing, acknowledging, I'm not sure what the word is that I'm looking for, because obviously he's always there. He didn't go anywhere exactly. just because we're not aware. But to be aware of his fingerprints and his voice, you talked about his voice. I would just love for you to kind of unpack that a little bit more. I just remember growing up and hearing like people say, God told me or the Lord told me. And I just remember thinking, I don't think I have that. I know I have Jesus. I know like I have the Holy Spirit. Like I've got like the Bible. I read the words. Like I don't know that I hear his voice. I just didn't know what I was listening for. And so I think for the longest time, I just thought maybe that is something I just don't hear. And then learning like, no, 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 you can hear his voice. But like many things, like it does take time. It takes practice. It takes spending time in the word to know like, what does his voice sound like? to decipher between what is his voice? What is my voice? Yes. What is the voice of the inner critic? You know, being able to decipher, I think for the longest time, I thought that this like inner critic voice was somehow the Holy Spirit. Like that was the compass. This like, oh, well, you should have done better because that was some sort of, I'm like air quotes, it was helping me. But that's not the voice. That is not the voice of God. So knowing what it is, knowing what it isn't, which I think just takes time in the word and then practicing with with other people like praying with others praying for others asking for words of encouragement for others like there were just lots of places in our church where i was being opened up to this and being able to practice it okay it's really the piece that like when i was talking about feeling like where's the joy where's the freedom that was what was missing like i wasn't interacting really with the person of the holy spirit Mm-hmm. I wasn't listening for his voice, waiting for his voice. Like often in prayer, we love to just come and talk. And there's the listening all throughout the day. And the way that I would describe life with God is like, he will take us on these little breadcrumb trails. And to me, that's the way that I'm paying attention to the work of the Holy Spirit and what what is he doing? And that seemed highlighted to me. I'm just going to like file that away. Okay. And then tomorrow, whoa, that thing. Oh, wow. That's connected with that thing yesterday. You know, there's just these ways that 
like he's always moving, Mm -hmm. but we do have to have eyes to see and ears to hear. And so I often am just asking the Lord, give me eyes to see, give me ears to hear. Like we cannot know him without the revelation, you know, of his spirit revealing who he is, what he's saying. It was a journey that took time and practice and community. And man, it is so life-giving. I was missing some of that for a good chunk of my life. Mm-hmm. So I know you were implying that this freedom that you're finding in the Holy Spirit had something to do with you breaking through some of this anxiety and panic attacks. I know it lasted a little bit longer. Yeah, I would say like the full journey probably was like a year or two before I felt like, man, this, this really isn't a thing anymore. And I just wanted to highlight that because obviously we had talked about the five days, but just for someone who is walking through a similar journey, obviously they're all unique. They're all going to look different. So if someone's thinking, that's not my story at all, of course, we're all going to have unique journeys. But for you, how did this newfound, I mean, you've had a relationship with God your whole life, but this pressing into having a relationship with the Holy Spirit, how did it impact this whole journey in particular? I think one of the things that had to come into play as like a a tool was scripture. Like I said, even knowing the voice of the Holy Spirit, knowing like God's character, what kinds of things would he say? Like that has to be figured out in time spent in the word. And so in this season, something that I began to practice a lot was just the weapon that we have in scripture, especially with like nights that were really hard to fall asleep. Sometimes it wasn't like that, but sometimes it's like my mind would Mm -hmm. just be racing. It's not shut off. Yeah. So I would recite Psalm 91. I think it's like nine and 10. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the most high who is your refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. And I would just like, you know, just Mm -hmm. do that over and over and over and over and over. You know, we can only think of one thing at a time. And so either I was going to think the spinning, crazy, anxious thoughts, or I was going to sit in this one scripture passage. And so that was something that kind of came out of that season of just being able to have some scriptures that I knew I could go to and recite and say. Mm -hmm. And really that idea of like taking your thoughts captive. It's like this verse that we hear for so long. (laughs) But like, how do we do that? Yeah. It's like, what is that? What does that mean? I just remember going, wow, like my counselor really encouraged me in that just saying, you do have power over what you think about. And that was like, oh yeah, I forgot that. You do have power over that. And so knowing, having some scriptures like ready to go, it was just a way that I would fight and take my thoughts captive and not get into this place where I was spinning and going into another panic attack or spiraling out of control. And I just was really like every morning, just with a new hunger meeting with God. I love that. Yeah. And like, I couldn't get enough. It was like this new season with the Lord. So, I mean, it really was, I would say a year or two before I felt like, okay, this really isn't a thing, but I still like, because I know what the signs are and the flags are, it's, it is so helpful to have tools like scripture, but also like even just the grounding technique, probably people listening know what this is, but the five, four, three, two, one, I don't think I know what it is. Enlighten me. (laughs) Yeah. So naming five things you see, four things you can touch, three things you hear, two things you smell, one thing you taste. And it's just a way of 
grounding yourself in the present moment when you start feeling the anxiety or something creep in. Because anxiety is, you know, it's like this way of getting us to think about something that's either not real or something in the future or something that brings worry. And so this grounding technique just keeps us in the present moment. Mm-hmm. I would do that often in that season when I was still fine. Even it's such a funny story. I remember being on a double date with some friends and I just felt it start to rise up. Everything's fine. We're all fine. We're sitting at the restaurant and I just felt anxiety start to creep in. And so I just started in my head narrating like what was happening. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting here. I'm looking at my friend Ashley. I'm dipping my chip in the queso. You know, like that sounds really silly, but it grounded me in the present moment. And it's true. Like as silly as that sounds, it was me just saying what is true. Yeah. Rather than whatever the other thing was I was worrying about. Mm -hmm. And so that was just a really helpful tool in that season. No, I think it's super helpful, especially, you know, right now we're in the middle of winter and really anyone can relate. So there might be some people who really struggle with anxiety and depression, worry. And then there's some who, you know, okay, maybe that's not a huge part of their story, but you know, there's stress in their life. There's definitely some worry in their life. It's winter. We can get the winter blues. Right. And then I think there's this other layer of fear that can really trickle into all of our lives, big and small ways, or maybe even in ways that we don't even fully realize it. Like you said, like maybe we're trying to grasp at control instead of surrender. Yeah. That can be anxiety inducing. And so there's a lot of different levels of this that I think we can really all be touched by if we were to really stop and Mm -hmm. think about our own lives and our own heart and the things that are weighing us down. Yeah. And something even recently that has been, I feel like something that God has just been reminding me of over and over about is just thinking about the daily manna. Mm -hmm. I have an upcoming trip to Guam in January. We have a church plant on Guam. How cool. Yeah. And so that feels like this really big thing. It's very far, you know, 10 days. It's away from my kid. You know, it's just, it feels like a lot to think about. And there was a day that I was just overwhelmed, not really in the anxiety symptoms sort of way, but just like overwhelmed emotionally thinking about how am I going to have capacity to do this and to be gone and to prepare for it? And and I felt the Lord say like, you don't have January 11th manna yet. Of course you are overwhelmed. Like you don't have that manna. You just have today's manna. Mm -hmm. And so even that, like, and when it comes to anxiety and fear, I think that is even just a piece of truth that is so helpful to hang on to. Like we just are not made to think about the future in that way. Yes, we can plan. And there are good things about thinking about the future and looking forward to things. But when we get to that place of anxiety and fear, I just have felt the Lord remind me over and over again, like, you don't have that manna yet. Mm -hmm. And just like we see in scripture, it's like they couldn't get the manna early. Mm -hmm. You know, they couldn't like keep the manna from yesterday. Like it would be moldy. It's like, so it was the day today. That's such a good reminder. Yeah. Tucking that away. Every time I start to, it's like, no, 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 I don't have that manna yet. Like I just have today. Right. Which was really a physical example of God's provision. Yeah. And that's the same for us every day. Like we need him like daily bread. And I totally think when Jesus, you know, said that he was thinking of the manna, the daily manna, the daily bread that, you know, they were given in the wilderness. Totally. So as you were talking, I was thinking about that verse in Galatians that talks about the since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit or let us walk with the spirit. 
for some reason, it's something that's learned as we have a relationship with God. We learn to listen to those whispers and kind of hear those little nudges and kind of know, okay, is this my voice or his voice? And Mm -hmm. so I would love for you to just talk about that a little bit more because I think about when I go on a walk with a friend, we do, we have to stay next to each other. I'm not just talking and she's not just listening. Like we're having a conversation and we're keeping in step with each other side by side. So what does that look like for you Mm -hmm. to kind of learn to walk with God in that way? One thing that I do occasionally is kind of a conversational like journaling prayer with God. And I will write what I'm praying and saying, and then I will write what I think he's saying, like just with no prior judgment, like, oh, is that his voice? Oh, do you think I, oh, would he say that? Just like write it out. And sometimes that's five minutes. Sometimes it's whatever, 20 minutes. And then I look back on that, you know, with fresh eyes and I can kind of read through it and determine, okay, is this the voice of God? Is this what he would say? Share it with friends even. This is what I heard the Lord say. And then they can say, yeah. And you sometimes, it will be so fun and surprising because you'll read something and you're like, there's no way that came from me. Like, that's not how my brain works. You know, that's not how my brain works. That's not how I talk. And so over time, Mm-hmm. That's just been one way that I've been able to learn what his voice sounds like, be able to listen for him. We have a woman in our church that is just, she's a friend and a mentor, but she taught us this thing, this conversational journaling prayer. And it has really been a game changer. So that's one thing that is really helpful. It was kind of two things because it was the conversation journaling and then also bringing it to your friends, which I truly love the Mm -hmm. community aspect because I do think sometimes that's why God gave us each other. He works through us and he has sometimes encouragement for us through someone else or some insight or vice versa. And so I think that can definitely be practical or for someone to say, actually, that feels kind of weird. Yeah, exactly. And and being able to connect dots, like I just think life with God is a lot of connecting dots. And I think that when you're talking with other people about life with God, they often will remember things about your life that you have totally forgotten. You share something and they're like, oh my gosh, that reminds me of like a month ago when you said blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh my gosh, that's so true. Okay, this is like this little breadcrumb trail that the Holy Spirit is leading me down. And sometimes you need community to help remind you like who God is and who you are, what journey you've been on. 100%. So yeah, I would say just journaling with the Lord and really even just the two scriptures that I think about when I think about the Holy Spirit, I think about the Psalm 16, like in his presence is fullness of joy. And so I think about that. And then I think about where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. When I think about walking in step with the Spirit, like I think, okay, so we have access to joy and freedom. So when I am not experiencing those things, to me, that's just like a little flag. What's going on inside my heart, inside my person? Oftentimes it means I need to stop with my personality. It means I need to like slow down, stop, be still, be with the Lord and get in the scripture journal, pray, but, you know, using scripture as like your litmus test for like, are we walking in step with the spirit? Like, is my life marked by joy? Is it marked by freedom? Mm -hmm. And if it's not, and if I'm not experiencing that, then that to me is like an invitation 
from the Lord of like, okay, come back into the fold. And like, they're for you all the time, even in the midst of chaos and trial and suffering and pain, like they're always available, even in the hard stuff, even in the hard seasons, even in the times when maybe we even feel rebellious towards the Lord. I think everything, like he's just always inviting us back in. I love the word invitation. Yeah. Sometimes we can picture God as like, oh, I did this wrong and he's going to slap me on the wrist. But that's probably a sign that we're leaning towards legalism, which is not where he wants us either. Right. Even in times when he is convicting and, and reminding you or even correcting us. Yeah. Correcting, like even that is still an invitation. Like it's invitation to be in relationship with him. And I always think of it as like, as far as even just deciphering, is this the voice of the Holy Spirit or not? Does it sound like invitation or does it sound like somebody is shoving you into a corner and punishing you? Yeah. Because that's not the voice of God. Even in your own mess, He will invite you. A life in step with the Holy Spirit, it's just like constant invitation into new things because there's always more. There's life abundance. So there's always more. Like we never arrive. Well, and like you said, that invitation is something that provokes a loving conviction instead of that harsh condemnation. Yeah. I mean, even yesterday I I was going to bed and there was a situation with my son that I just thought I did not deal with that the way that I should have dealt with that. Like I went straight to being frustrated about the situation rather than like, man, how did that feel? How do you feel? Are you okay? You know, I just went straight to like, yeah. (laughs) And so I was laying in bed last night and I was like, man, I missed that one. That wasn't good. That wasn't right. So then this morning, you know, I was able to talk with him and apologize. And man, those firstborns, they just have to have all the grace for us. I'm like, sorry, honey. So true. You're the child that we do all the things first with. Yes. But yeah, even then it's like, it wasn't from a place of harshness. It's just an invitation to relationship and making something right and just kindness that leads us to repentance. That That's what he does. Mm-hmm. So it's not the shaming in the corner. It's the invitation. Well, I want to hear what other resources have really kind of impacted you. And then I'm also curious how this journey has impacted how you write songs. Because I know from listening that a lot of this comes out. It's beautiful. Okay. One thing is the Lectio 365 app. I don't know if you do that. I've heard of this. I love this app. It is so great. And we listen to it at night before we go to bed. They basically just walk through like the Lectio Divina, like rhythm of looking back on your day, listening to scripture, meditating on the scripture. And they kind of have this nice like pad in the background, you know, like it's so great. They will read a scripture. You'll think back on the day, think back on where God was, read some more scripture. There's a place even for confession. Is there anything from the day that I need to confess and you know, ask for forgiveness. And it's about like, I would say like an eight to 10 minute thing, but we will, Colt and I will turn it on at night, like when we get in bed and it so often I will fall asleep before it's over. And I'm really not like quick fall asleep kind of person, but this, I don't know, just falling asleep, meditating on the word and talking with God and instead of your mind racing. Yes. So that app, I would say is just a huge resource. I feel like we recently read 
John Mark Comer's Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, mm-hmm. like about a year ago. And that kind of just dumped everything upside down. I need to read it again. <laughs> yeah, I know. It probably could be like a, a yearly read for me, like reevaluate all the stuff. Well, and so many people recommended his Garden City as well mm. that I'm like three fourths of the way through that. And it's awesome too. Okay. I haven't done that. Okay. I would say that book. I think in the last few years, we were kind of like slowly without really knowing, kind of moving towards like wanting some sort of Sabbath rhythm. But then when we read that book, it kind of like set out, here's some intentionality that you could have going into having a Sabbath rhythm in your week. To me, like having a weekly Sabbath has been a huge thing. That even feels like a funny way of Sabbath as a resource. But honestly, like being able to say, okay, this is the day that we rest and we don't do laundry and we eat on paper plates and we have fun and we play and we rest. Like that has been a game changer for me and just for my whole family. Like we look forward to it throughout the whole week. God, like, knows what he's doing. Yeah, like he had a good idea. <laughs> when he set up these guidelines. I know, it's so funny. It's like, wow, from the beginning, Sabbath has been in motion. And wow, it really has been amazing. We have seasons of doing it pretty well. You know, we try not to schedule anything. Whatever day we decide that week, whether Saturday or Sunday is kind of our Sabbath for the week. But for some reason lately, it's like all the things that you try to say no to, we haven't been able to say no to those things. And I felt it. And so this is encouragement for me to get back in that rhythm and to be sure that we're guarding that time. Yeah. Again, not as like a legalistic rule, but in a way like you keep mentioning for our joy. Yeah. And it's funny because we had my middle girl had recital stuff this past Saturday. And so I was doing like dance mom recital things all day. And so it was a day that was not as restful. And you do, I feel it. Like I feel the difference going into the week. And like you said, it's not to have some sort of checklist or rule, but it kind of just helps you keep a pulse even on just, are you resting? Are you living from a place of rest? Are you carrying the easy yoke or are you like carrying this heavy backpack? You know, Jesus did not come to bring burden, but to bring the easy yoke. And so, yeah, I feel like Sabbath has been a huge part of that. And really anything with John Mark Comer's church, Bridgetown, I love that podcast. I love, and now I'm blanking it. Tyler maybe is the new head pastor, Tyler Staten, maybe. That I would say is a, is a resource. I love their preaching and teaching. So I listen to that weekly. I'm so thankful for all the places where we can listen to different teachers and preachers. I love Village Church and I love Upper Room. And I just, there's so much just rich teaching out there. And then this just came to mind, but my favorite songwriter is Sarah Groves. And so I would just say, if anybody is not listening to her, she is my favorite. I really do think that you could, in any season, in any given emotion, she has a song for you. Her library of songs, there's so much variety. So I would say that if you're looking for something new to listen to music-wise, to check her out and listen to some of her recent albums in the last 10 years. I'm going to do that. Because I don't know about her. She is one of my favorites. Floodplain, that album is really unbelievable, especially I think for people walking through just like a hard season of lament or suffering or even anxiety. Like I just think that album really hits on a lot of different places. So Sarah Groves for everybody. She's amazing. And then about your resources, your songwriting, how it's impacted you. 
what's sweet about this whole season that we've kind of talked about that started in 2012, that's really actually when I started writing seriously was from that season. I went to the piano and I just started writing was what I was experiencing, what anxiety felt like, how I felt towards God when things weren't going the way that I wanted them to go. And like, how could I express that honestly to the Lord? So really like lament through songwriting as well. It's sweet when I think about that season, again, with the word invitation, like I think that was also a way that he was inviting me into songwriting was how do I capture this whole experience through song? Even there's one song that I specifically wrote because I wanted to write what a panic attack felt like, what it felt like in my body, what it felt like in my mind, what kind of thoughts I was having. We actually have just recently been working on a recording of that one. And I was listening to it the other night and I was like, oh, this is like, man, like, is this too intense? But but even as we talked about it, I just thought, no, I wrote it so that someone could go, oh my gosh, I know what that feels like. I'm so thankful for music because it can just capture these moments in life that sometimes words can't totally capture. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I wrote a lot about that season and then really just have continued to write and have some songs I'm trying to finish work on recording and tracking and getting all of that done. I have like a couple things on Spotify, but hopefully some more things coming out eventually. I do share some clips and things along the way on my Instagram as I feel led to share. Do you get to share any with us? Yes, I'm going to have this song ready. Yay! So we talked about this and I asked her, do you have anything that you could maybe share with us? But I hadn't heard for sure if that was a go. Yeah, I have one in the works that by the time this is ready to go, it will be ready to to be played and listened to. So, Oh, awesome. So I'm excited to share it. Yeah. This has just been so amazing and fabulous. And I'm just grateful to get a better peek at kind of this season of your life. Because again, I think it's so relatable. And I think we all need these timeless reminders. They're so good. So many great tools. And so as we kind of wrap up, is there anything that you want to leave us with? Maybe someone who is walking through this right now and you just really want to tell them something. I would just say to keep looking for God. Keep looking for him. And when you can't find him, I would just say, ask him, like, where are you right now? Even like, where are you in this room? How do you feel about me? Like just to enter into conversation with God, even when you're still in the middle of it Mm -hmm. and you're, you're just like, there's no apparent way out of this just to do it with him rather than apart from him. And it doesn't mean that it's a quick fix, but to suffer with God is way better than to suffer without him. Claire, it's been so fun to chat with you and thanks for being here and sharing a piece of your story. Well, thank you for having me. So thankful. Well, as always, we have all of those great resources linked up for you in the conversation notes. Know that you can subscribe to this podcast for free, however you like to stream. We'd also love to connect with you on Instagram at The Messy Table Podcast. And as we end this episode today with a very special song by Claire Westbrook, don't forget that yes, life is messy but God is at work in mess.